Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Let's get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at... Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or you can shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who is willing to bury the hatchet with an old conference rival, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Ooh, boy, Suey, I am pretty, uh, I'm pretty good. Uh, we're going to talk some fun stuff uh, tonight. Uh, I think this is this is a, a, a good show because we get to bring in good people to talk uh, a good rivalry and uh you know we we also just it's a good time to be a longhorn it's been a good week been good stuff going on all over uh and we're excited to talk about it absolutely and something that we're excited to talk about we mentioned it on the tuesday show but as of tomorrow morning at 11 the shirt of the week is coming out from home field apparel we have a new sponsor uh this week the home field apparel the premium collegiate athletic brand out of indianapolis they 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 provide you some really comfortable, officially licensed apparel that has some offbeat and vintage designs that um, I've always been a guy who's appreciated um, the non-standard athletic wear. As a guy who was in an aggressive eBay op- auction for a um, Cal Rose Bowl shirt back in uh, 2004. I love a good offbeat athletic shirt, but uh, Home Field, again, is in their big new Saturday season two, announcing some really big names that they're dropping for 16 weeks straight in Texas as of this week is the next big name and it's going to launch on Saturday the 19th at noon Eastern 11 for most of you listening to this and so we're excited to be a part of that launch for the uh, University of Texas. Gerald I've talked to so many people this week who are so excited when this news was teased uh i don't know how many take all my money tweets i've seen um this is this is big i mean there are those of us who've considered buying a slip a university of slippery rock t-shirt um just because you know the home field leans into the the quirky but still with the quality um this uh, this is coming from a guy who owns a retro world b3 um world be free excuse me cavaliers jersey tall t um so I, I i this is up my alley i am i have been waiting for this this release this moment i worried oh no is texas too strict with our beautiful logos and our old school uh paraphernalia but uh it looks like Homefield has cracked the code and they will be bringing the goods couldn't be more excited. Speaking of codes, when you log on on Saturday and try to beat the rush, you can use the code burnt orange to get 15% off your first order. Burnt orange. If you don't know how to spell that, how did you even get here? But again, on Saturday, when the drop at 11 o'clock central time, you can use the code burnt orange to get 15% off your new apparel. I'm really excited to pair that with a last stand hat for this football season. Give me like a give me a home field shirt and a last stand hat. I want to I want to support small businesses as I support the University of Texas. And Gerald, we're talking Midwest. UT owns Texas. We are uh, owning o- Omaha. We know that this is a, a company based in Indianapolis. Texas brand home field just helping them, you know, take over the entire map. Starting Texas, go to Midwest. It's a match made in heaven. Speaking of matches made in heaven. 
it's crazy to say, but we are 12 weeks from kickoff. And so we are in now week two of our season preview, and we have the distinct pleasure of welcoming our old Southwestern Conference friends from the Arkansas Razorbacks with us. And we have Dan Fair from Arkansas Fight here with us today. Dan, man, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. We don't always say this, but we are uniquely uh, excited to have our guests on. We we appreciate every guest we have on the podcast, but we're, we're bringing in a foe that all our older listeners will instantly curl uh, and recoil in hearing the Arkansas moniker. Our younger listeners may not know this is a rivalry, but we come as friends. We're going to talk today uh, as equals, as partners in podcasts. So we appreciate you coming on, Dan. Absolutely. We're, again, if you're new to the podcast, we're going through each week of the Texas schedule. And so the big mat- matchup, the big non-conference matchup this year is the Arkansas Razorbacks. And so um, Sam Pittman walked into a weird situation, came in, uh, returned to the Razorbacks after four seasons with Georgia as their offensive line coach. He added an associate head coach title in his final year there, came in, and then COVID hit. And so it got kind of weird. His first season, again, was not what we expected, but really last season was really not what anybody expected. Uh, finished the season three and seven, had a losing streak on the way out. The bowl game was canceled, so they couldn't really build momentum. So like, we don't really know what to expect from Sam Pittman, I think is fair, but like, what do you expect from Sam Pittman heading into season two? And so Arkansas is a little bit, it's, it's kind of murky, right? So the last few years, uh, and I don't want to talk about Chad Morris a whole lot because he's pretty irrelevant. He kind of gave off an Thank Aggie you. vibe, and I know that you and I, we all feel the same about the Aggies, so we'll just leave it at that. But uh, That will come up later. Uh, he's uh, Yeah, exactly. He's uh, He came into a situation where we hadn't won a conference game in two years. We'd won one conference game in three, and, I mean, we were seven points away from being a six and four team with – what a lot of people consider to be the toughest schedule in college football history. So just to be where they're at right now, even, you know, three and seven is kind of crazy to think about. So, I mean, you had, had the two point loss to Auburn, which was uh, controversial, but you know, then you had a one point loss to Missouri and a three point loss to LSU. And I mean, you, you flip those games. It's, it's uh, we're looking like, you know, a perennial top 25 team headed into 2021, which, if you asked me about that three years ago, I wouldn't have believed you. So so now that Pittman gives the head coaching position, if you will, uh, a bit of stability, uh, he has to do the thing that every, every coach uh, hates doing, which is replacing a great starting quarterback. Felipe Franks had a really incredible COVID year, uh, 2,100 yards, 17 TDs in a shortened season, just four interceptions to go with all that, completed uh, a pretty nice uh, 68, 69% of his passes. Um, so it looks like, based on last year, K.J. Jefferson came in uh, some for him last year. Who's the guy um, stepping in to be the quarterback? Right now, as far as I can, as far as I know, Sam Pittman said that uh, that uh, KJ is kind of the starter, and he's he's the guy going forward. Um, and I think he's earned that just in the play that he's had so far. He had the one game against Missouri where Franks was out with that rib injury. Uh, I mean, he scored dropped something like 500 yards offense and 48 points on Missouri, who was a top five in the SEC defense last year. So. I think he's earned that start. I would not be surprised if at some point Malik Hornsby kind of comes along and tests him for that. Uh, Malik Hornsby's a four-star recruit out of, I 
I think it was Missouri City, Texas. Um, fast guys. I mean, he's got jets. And uh, I watched. I was watching a spring game earlier today. They looked really solid. You know, he he particularly had a uh, um, just kind of a really good spring practice and spring game there. So I think KJ is the guy, but I think that Malik's probably going to head up that way. You know, he's going to test him sooner or later. Malik Hornsby is a name that Texas fans are familiar with. He was a, he was a message board phenom uh, <laughs> on the Texas message boards, and uh, he's a guy that I love to watch in, in Texas high school football. So it's a uh, uh, it's exciting to see. So uh, whoever is at the quarterback spot, they're going to get some help back. Uh, Arkansas returns last year's leading receiver in Traylon uh, Traylon Burks and uh, Davian Warren, if I'm saying that right. Uh, so th- that's a, that's a nice one two punch. But um, really, any modern offense, you usually see the ball thrown to about nine to twelve guys. So we're not going to ask you to name six. Uh, but who are some other names in that passing game that Texas fans uh, should look out for come come week two? Well, if you'd asked me that question about a month ago i'd have told you this or i guess two months ago i'd have probably told you mike woods was that number three uh he went ahead and transferred to Oklahoma. so that kind of leaves that number three starting spot or that number three role uh pretty wide open uh really tall strong guy he was a four-star recruit out of tennessee and uh he played a lot in 2019 and he struggled a little bit last year stay on the field but uh I think that he's going to be able to step up and, and take that third role. If not him, then uh, Jaquan, and I don't know if I'm saying it right, but Jaqualin Crawford, uh, he's a transfer from Oklahoma. Uh, I've watched a little bit of his film. He's pretty, uh, he's a quick guy. He'd fill that slot role really well. Um, and then, I mean, there's a couple other, you know, freshmen that are coming in. Uh, you got Keetron Jackson, who is a, uh, for a long time, people thought he was a he was a Texas lock, and uh, you know uh, Sam Pittman kind of locked him up there pretty quick. But uh, um, he's another guy. There's, I mean, there's a whole slew of really solid receivers on there. There are a lot of them. They're just kind of untested. So you know, it'll be interesting to see who hops up in that number three spot. Yeah, uh, Keytron hurt me specifically. I I really wanted him in burn orange, and we'll blame the previous coaching staff for that one because Herman and his micromanaging of receiving recruits. That's a separate conversation. No, as I just say, we're going to be positive about our current coaching staffs, guys. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's leave the, the Herman and, and Chad bashing, but if you have some good bashing, I'm, I'm ready for it. <laughs> I had a lot of Chad bashing there for about six months. And I realized I was just like, yeah, it's, it's probably time to just get over it. Like it's not helping anybody at this point. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, one thing, uh, one thing he did do, I believe, unless it was Pittman already coming in, but was, was, uh, get Rakeem Boyd, uh, to take his, uh, his talents to, uh, to Fayetteville, uh, Boyd though, opting out heading to the, the NFL. So it looks like, uh, Traylon Smith most likely will be leading the, the rushing attack. Uh, I think over 700 yards, five touchdowns for him, um, what are we looking for in the, in the offense with, with Smith as the, uh, number one back? Yes. Traylon Smith, uh, he's a real small shifty guy. Uh, I mean, he's really good pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, and he's kind of one of those guys that kind of just a uh, wiggle and a shake and he's, you know, 80 yards down the field before you know it, um, behind him, there's a lot of young depth or young, young guys. Uh, I mean, we've got rocket Sanders coming out of Florida. He's going to be right behind him. Um, AJ Green's a guy out of, out of uh, I believe it's Bartlesville, Oklahoma. I could be wrong on that. Uh, and then uh, JV on Hunt, who's also an uh, Oklahoma recruit. All three of those guys are freshmen, so it'll be interesting to see how it happens. But I think Traylon Smith's one of those guys that uh, uh, he can kind of hurt, hurt you both ways, both receiving and uh, kind of running the ball. 
kind of kind of got to have a really strong offensive line for that though. I'm I'm gl- I I lined the questions up this way because I really wanted to say this next name. So we've talked offense a lot, but I want to shift to the defense. Um, and so Ar- Arkansas has a a pair of linebackers that are you could argue probably two the best tandem in the country, or at least the most consistent tandem in the country um, of Grant Morgan and Bumper Pool. If I'm saying that name correctly, I want to make sure greatest. What, all name team for sure, um, but they they combined for like 211 tackles last year, which is nuts. And so, like how how is Arkansas going to kind of build around these two key players on the defensive side of the ball to uh, kind of shore up some defensive struggles from last year? Um, oh boy, I mean a big a big problem we had last year was defensive line depth, which is why I think you saw guys like Grant Morgan and Bumper Pool, and then uh, kind of in the in the rest of the secondary like Jalen Catalan get a lot of tackles, is because. Running backs are getting through the first line there. Um, but I think they've, they've kind of addressed that a lot with uh, some depth that they've picked up kind of in the defensive line. I mean, they've got about three different transfers they've kind of picked up that I think that Barry Odom is going to want to switch to a, to a 4-3 defense rather than like a 3-2-5, uh, but, you know, bend but don't break zone, which is kind of what they ran most of the year last year. Um, so, I mean, yeah, just adding, adding a lot of the defensive line depth, I think is what kind of brings – kind of gives them some help because that was, they were a, a key part last year when they were not on the field, you could see it. So you saying Jalen Catalan is another, another like scab pick for me, just the Catalan <laughs> brothers in general. just hurts. You like to recruit Texas. I don't know how else to explain it. So. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. We totally, they're just guys. I wish Herman could have landed. Yeah. We're, yeah. We'll, we'll keep the chat bashing to a minimum, but I will say that's the, that's probably the best decision Chad ever made was, was getting him on the Hill. I mean, I think I think Jalen Catalan's going to end up in the first round, either at the end of this year or the end of next year. No, no doubt, talented. We 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 all saw it. Um, Bumper Pool is also from Texas. I mean, you you recruited him. I, I I I remember the first time I heard that name, and I don't know if you're a Photoshop guy, but it is a it is a cheesy online Twitter Photoshop dream. He's built kind of like a pool table, six two two thirty. But uh, I, I mean, truly, the SEC is ripe with good names. I think there's a, a guy who. Um, officially on Alabama, changed his name to, to, to Kool-Aid as uh, his first name. Uh, a couple weeks ago, there was um, the, the coldest, I believe, place for LSU. But I still I, – Bumper Pool is in my, in my, in my top five. Um, just, just names in the country this year. And I do a lot of research on, on college football names because it is a niche market, but it is one of the richest uh, pools you'll find. But, uh, yeah, Bumper Pool is, should have a statue built to him just, just on, on name alone. We'll we'll uh, we'll carve his name there at the university. I don't know about a, a statue yet. He'll have to have to prove it to us this coming carved year. In, carved into a yeah a bleacher or something. So all right. So let's <laughs> if it's not Bumper Pool getting his statue built, uh, what is your biggest storyline that you are going to be watching heading into the 2021 season and watching over the course of the year? As far I mean, as far as players go, I'd probably give it to Graham Morgan. Uh, Grant's one of those guys that I think he's probably been at the University of Arkansas for about 10 years it feels like now he's uh took admit he had you know what looked like a senior season last year and he's running it back again i think just showing that kind of pride and that that uh you know that prowess in your state and your and your team is uh is pretty remarkable i think that i think that's going to be the biggest storyline headed into the end of the season if you look back at the end of this season, you're like, Arkansas had a successful season. What does that look like? Whether it's win total, whether it's specific games, like what is, what's going to be your measure of success for, for this upcoming uh, year? My, my non-biased, like not Homer pick is if we can keep it 500, I think that'd be a success. 
I would say just for the lineage of the Arkansas-Texas rivalry, if Arkansas can pull out a win against Texas and somehow end up at eight and five, seven and six, I'd say that's probably a uh, a success. The one just in particular, I just want to beat Auburn, man. I don't, I don't care. We could, we could win. We could go two and ten, and if one of those wins was Texas and the other one was Auburn, I'd be upset, but I think that I could live with it. <laughs> just, just after the way last season, last the last season's game ended, it was just they're the one team that I've got like circled, you know? So, but I mean, I think if, if we end up 500 or above, um, you know, I think that that would be 500 and, and a bowl appearance. I mean, if you asked me that two years ago that we're going to be starring in a bowl and, and if I told you about, you know, how the rest of that story was going to go, I'd probably, I'd be okay with a 500 and a bowl pick. So I'll take it. I, I, I like that. Uh, good to know the, the Auburn game is a, uh is is creating the the animus there so let's let's take it to the sex and our listeners love to hear you know the real commentary that's why we bring you in but i think what, what they really tune in for is this next section we call shooting from the hip we don't really give you any heads up any preparation for this but we're just going to give you questions kind of rapid fire and on this first one you know we, we've been watching a lot of baseball maybe you've been watching some softball we're going to underhand toss this one up to you nice and easy clear out some space for you uh as a a another team who has to, uh, in their history, play Texas A&M a lot. What are your honest feelings and opinions about Texas A&M University? You said that I had to keep this clean, so I don't know how much I can talk about it. <laughs> I, I, I've, just, I've never really liked Texas A&M. Uh, they're just that one team that I'm like, I just don't like them. I don't, I don't have an ex- a reason for it other than the last, you know, they've beaten us nine, nine years in a row and they hold that over us. But, man, I just, I've just never liked it. Their colors. I don't know what an Aggie is. I'm going to be honest. I just like, it just doesn't seem like anything that's appealing to me. I've been to, to college station. Wasn't impressed. Uh, I'm not just, I don't have a, I don't have a really good feeling towards Texas A&M at all. I know, I know you guys probably feel the same. We started with that one because it's very on brand. There is a large overlap in that Venn diagram, no doubt. <laughs> okay, so um, as staying in that vein, if if you had to rank the rivalries, right? Because that's always something that like ri- like rivalries are like very personal to people. Really, Kyle and I talk about how we hate Kansas State more than probably most Texas fans. But if you had to rank rivalries for you, Dan Fair, what's your, what's your rivalry ranking for the for the Hogs? Overall, it's going to be LSU. That's just the I mean, that's just the one that I was born and raised on. One of the one of the earliest games that I can remember is Arkansas upsetting number one LSU uh, in Little Rock, and uh, yeah, they've upset them a few times. But that was that's one historically that I've always that I've always kind of circled. Uh, recently, it's been Auburn. I said that earlier. Um, Ole Miss is also up there, but I don't have as much animosity towards Ole Miss because I can really respect Lane Kiffin as a coach. Um, but I, I do like I do like playing Ole Miss. It's fun. I don't think we've we've lost we lost to him when we were struggling, but outside of that, man, it's been pretty we've been pretty dominant over him. So I mean, I, I like I like playing Ole Miss. I think that's a fun rivalry to kind of capitalize on. Texas ranks nowhere in there, and it's okay if not. I've only seen him play Texas once, so I, I mean, mm. like like the older people that I know, they'd probably rank Texas really high up there. But the one time that I've seen them play Texas, we got like blown out. So and I was like seven seven or eight years old, something like that. So I like. I don't have really a ton of animosity towards Texas. I lived in Dallas for a couple of years, saw a lot of those fans. And I mean, I don't know that I have a lot of uh, Longhorns fans, but the ones that I do have are, you know, at least reasonable. So I don't have any animosity towards Texas. I do want to beat them though. I do want to be under. Understood. And we'll take that. That's, 
That's great. You might be the first person to ever refer to Texas fans as reasonable, and I really appreciate that. Well, like I said, I don't know a lot of them, so I'm sure <laughs> yeah, if that school grew larger, I would probably, uh, I'd probably change my my, stu- my t- stance on that. Keep the sample size small. It's working out well for us. So one thing you said is you haven't got to see Texas play very often, um, and 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 we kind of had the statement last week on the podcast talking about an article that came out from a former Big 12 writer, he now believe covers Tennessee, but but works for The Athletic. David Ubbin um, wrote that Arkansas should leave the SEC for the Big 12 next offseason. And, and, and Gerald and I came on this very podcast and said we would be all for it. Um, as, you know, expert on all things Arkansas, what are your thoughts on that? They ain't leaving the SEC. <laughs> I mean, we've been – I mean, the last 10 years have been down, but it wasn't – I mean, it wasn't but nine years ago that we were, you know, one game away from an SEC championship and hanging out in the, ro- in the Sugar Bowl with Ohio State. It can be done. Arkansas can be dominant in the SEC. They've had a few poor co- coaching choices in the last couple, you know, last five, 10 years, but they can be dominant. The, and the money's too good. I mean, the SEC pays mm-hmm. a lot. And, and so I, I think geographically, it makes sense for them to move. It, I just culturally, they're too good of them. They're, they're an SEC team. And, uh, you know, I just, I think they belong there. My biggest feelings on it are that if Texas scheduled Arkansas the day after Thanksgiving every year for the rest of time, just to kind of give a big middle finger to the Aggies, I'd be okay with it. I'd be okay with that too, because that gives us <laughs> another reason to hate the Aggies. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so Arkansas plays Rice Week 1, right? You got There's a common opponent, which is always important. So Texas plays Rice Week 3. So if you don't know anything about the Rice Owls, um, they're – Subject of a famous quote, why do the Rice Owls play Texas Longhorns, right? Uh, so if you had to guess, just shooting from the hip, what is your like, cumulative score prediction for Arkansas and Texas combined and Rice's combined scores in those two games? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say over 100, oh, okay, maybe okay. over 120 between oh. Texas and Arkansas. <laughs> and then... Somewhere between in the, in the vein of ten to seventeen, I don't think Texas defense is going to stop them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Arkansas pitching a shutout, but Texas only wins fifty-two to seventeen. I got it. <laughs> no, they'll give them a, they'll give them a field goal with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. So. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, nice. All right. Um, this is a quick one. I just want to hear. You go to a restaurant. They bring out a a a plate of delicious chips and delicious melted cheese that you're going to dip. Um, that chip into what did you say to the waiter to order said dish? I will take the chips and queso. Queso. God bless. I thought Arkansas folks said cheese dip. That was a test. You passed. I'm proud of you. We put those people up in Missouri. We, we don't. We don't claim the people who call it cheese sauce or cheese dip. All right. Yeah. So we don't have to delete this whole recording. You passed. All right. Final. Final question. Unless Gerald has another one. Final question here for you, Dan. Unfortunately, and I'm not trying to pick at a fresh wound or dig at all, but unfortunately. The number one team in the country. Texas was number two. I thought it was going to be a matchup there in baseball, but the Arkansas Razorback baseball team, which was unbelievable all season, will not be going to Omaha. That said, I don't want to get into it and make you rehash it, but just the quick question. That said, who will you be rooting for out of the teams in Omaha? Well, it's not Texas. That's that's a tough (laughs) question. It's not going to be Mississippi State. I don't know. Michael, Arizona, they're powerful. Okay. I'm, I might, I mean, I'll probably, I probably won't actively root for him, but I think I'd, I'd be okay if, uh, if NC state made a run, uh, not Tennessee, not Vanderbilt, uh, <laughs> keep the rest of the SEC teams out of it, honestly. Uh, 
I, yeah, I think either Arizona or or uh, or NC State. I think I think that's who I'd go for. I would it, if they hadn't gotten if they hadn't lost today. I probably would have said Dallas Baptist. That would have been the, the that would have been the obvious choice, just the underdog story. But for sure. uh, no, yeah, probably Arizona or NC State's what I'd say. That seems fair. That that seems absolutely that's a good fair. neutral. Well. Yeah, for sure. So, Dan, uh, that's that's all we've got for you, man. We really appreciate you taking some time. If people want to find more of what you've got on the internet, man, where can they look you up? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter as at Dan Fairhogs, uh, and then uh, I write pretty frequently at that uh, for Arkansas and Fight. So that's pretty much where you can find my stuff. Very much, Dan, on, Thank you on the Twitter. So you and us both. So again, you can find him at D a N F a I R H O G S Dan fair hogs on the Twitter machine. Dan, thank you again for taking some time out to, uh, to hang out with us. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for having me on guys. Hey, and small sample size, but now I can say, I know, I know a good Arkansas fan. You're one of the good ones. Hey, that's <laughs> what I aim for. Always fun to talk to someone else about another school, but we bring it now to the segment. Where we look at the entire world through burnt orange lenses and we are putting our, orange tinted shades on to look at uh to look at some potential gold here gerald we're going to take a look at the olympic qualifiers um we have in diving the the obvious uh multi-time national championship producing texas swimming and diving quite a few folks as you would expect um none more exciting than than good friend of the podcast he has liked some of our tweets. He's a friend. Uh, senior Jordan Windle uh, in, in the 10-meter platform. Just a human ball of energy and joy and um, the smiley face from the, the 90s craze come to life. Uh, Jordan Windle will be uh, adding to his already immense trophy case, hopefully, in Tokyo 2021. Also, this is just crazy. This is I love this. Incoming freshman um that's high school senior uh Haley Hernandez in the three meter springboard and then Gerald this one I want to hear your take on Allison Gibson and and partner uh Krista Palmer who's not a longhorn but we won't hold that against her in the three meter synchronized springboard Gerald how high of a score do you think we could muster let's say (laughs) no more than a month's training for you and I in a competition for a synchronized springboard. How many points do they get you for not falling off of the springboard before <laughs> you jump? And what's what's what is that point total? And do they have a pre-prescribed point total for um, belly flops? Is really what I'm curious about because um, really you and I getting up there. One, nobody wants to see you and I in speedos. But two, like two men that look like they're wearing like vests while they're um, swimming or in the shower, whatever you want to say. Nobody wants to see that. So. <laughs> Probably they deduct points. If if they can give a negative score in the Olympics, that's probably what we'd end up with. First of all, do not put that shame on our wives. There are two listen. They don't listen to this podcast. Two women alive. <laughs> no, probably not even them. There is no one alive who wants to see us in the speedo. But uh, I don't know. With Coach Matt Scoggin, you know, a week maybe maybe we could score a point. I don't know if it's like the SAT where you get credit for writing your name. Um, but I, I I also you don't see a lot of. You see a lot more bare chest, uh, porpoise-like chest yes. uh, on the Olympic divers than, than the rugs that we sport. Uh, I've had chest hair since I was about 13. <laughs> so I, I don't know what that does either for your landing or the sound. Maybe it would be so unique to the judges. We'd, we'd, we'd scratch five across right there. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, let's just let's just not find out. Let's move on. This is a terrible image for everyone. <laughs> this, this, yeah, this is an so- audio medium, but people are coming up with bad <laughs> mental images for sure. 
Yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, I won't leave it there. Uh, in the pool, swimming, uh, both Townley Haas and Drew Kibler qualify in the 200 fee, uh, as well as the 4x2 freestyle relay. So uh, congrats to uh, both of them and all of all three of the divers joining our already extensive list. Uh, we've mentioned before, we obviously will keep you updated before July, give you a final tally when all the Olympic qualifiers are done on uh, how many horns will be in Tokyo 2021. Um, Gerald, <clears throat> one of the most impressive things I have seen by a Longhorn also just happened. Um, Kevin Durant had a performance in Game 5 of the playoffs against the Bucks with no Kyrie Irving, no James Harden to speak of. You knew he was going to come out fast and, and, and firing and, and put the team on his back dough. What I saw, I, I, stats do a good job of telling the story, but if you didn't watch it, I mean, it was it was jaw-dropping. Kevin Durant made very loud and clear that not necessarily in the pantheon of basketball players all time, but at people who pick up a basketball and dribble it right now on the planet, uh, the, the middle of June 2021, Kevin Durant's the single best in the world to do it. And I, you, you will, you will be hard pressed to tell me that there is anyone right now alive, better at playing basketball than Kevin Durant. Um, played every one of the 48 minutes. His team needed all of them put up 49 points. Um, just, just a really incredible game all around. And he was the energy, the heart, the soul, the fire, everything for the Nets to get a, a very improbable win. Like unconscious is the only way I could say it. Like there are, um, like I we I breathe to stay alive, right? Like my heart beats to stay alive, and I don't know if I'm that good at either of those things. Like as good as Kevin Durant is at the sport of basketball, I don't know if like my like my brain can keep my heart beating as good as that guy plays basketball. It's absolutely nuts. Like he was unconscious last night. He was on another and. For a guy who's been in the league for as long as Kevin Durant has, because it's been quite a long time, um, this feels like the first like KD game, right? When you have like every every great all time great has like the game that you point to, right? Iverson has stepping over the guy. Jordan has a couple of them. The flu game, the push off that wasn't really a push off. You know, there's all those moments, but this feels like the Kevin Durant game where they're going to point to it and be like, this guy. Who has a who has a legacy? This is the game that we all point to. That's what it feels like. Yeah, because I mean, he he had some incredible games with the Warriors, but those were just such unbelievably loaded teams. And this is obviously a very stacked team. But with both of those guys out, putting up again 49, 17 rebounds, ten assists, three blocks, three steals. Just leave it at that on stats. He did it on sixteen of twenty three shooting. That volume with that efficiency, it. Just incredible. First of all, the first player in NBA history to do a 45-15-10 playoff game. And you look at the advanced metrics, the game score, he had a 50.4, which is higher than MJ's highest. All those games you named, the 63 uh, in the garden, the, the the flu game, anything, his highest was 49.8. LeBron James has never mustered more. And again, these are ridiculously high scores, but then 44.7. Kobe never got higher than 43.6. And again, Durant, 50. Point four. So just, um, you're right, a singular moment. I really hope it equates to a championship for him just because, it, you know, it will help solidify his legacy and help slide him into that conversation uh, when, when people are ranking the all-time greatest to ever, to ever play basketball. Um, but this game, yeah, is a part of that conversation now. Really, really incredible stuff. 
So keeping in basketball, the uh, the on-campus uh, women's team uh, with Coach Vic Schaefer, women's basketball announced new assistant April Phillips, former uh, assistant coach and recruiting coordinator uh, from Cal. She actually recently landed the number six class in the 1920 year, led to I think they had like three top 25 wins last year and had a good tournament run themselves. So uh, I- I'm trusting Vic here. Yeah, I mean, and that is like the 2019-2020 season, not the 1920 athletic recruiting. Uh, but the re- the level of recruiting that's on this staff is going to be insane, and that's going to just continue to pay dividends for for Schaefer and the Longhorns as they try to compete with you know Baylor in the Big Twelve, who's still without Kim Mulkey, going to be an absolute monster. Yeah, every person that he hires seems to have a recruiting coordinator position in their background, and that seems important. You got to get the best. The best are in Texas. You'd see Baylor stacked with them. Uh, you've seen A and M in years. Yeah, obviously there's talent here. So you get the best recruiters from Texas and otherwise, and stack Texas and Vic's coaching. I like what we're building. Um, and then speaking of uh, you know out here building on things, there are there are a lot of Longhorns in the U.S. Open vying for a. Uh, for a major and it's not just the guys you think of in the professional ranks of course there's Spieth uh Dylan Fratelli uh Jonathan Vegas all that national championship team all three of those guys and then Scotty Scheffler who's just been tearing it up lately um but also two guys on campus qualified which is incredible Pearson Cootie and Cole Hammer will be playing along with those guys so a lot of Longhorns to watch this weekend uh let's go to the Godzilla Tron, uh, Gerald, where we take a look at what we are watching like you do in DKR on the giant screen, formerly called the the Godzilla Tron in the South End Zone. But during the pandemic, we talked about what we have watched on our own giant screens. Gerald, what have you been watching? It's so like many of you did this weekend. I my wife and I took the opportunity to watch in the Heights. It's a um a musical from Lynn Manuel Miranda, the guy who did uh, Hamilton is kind of the other big one that just came out like during the pandemics. Everybody watched it, but um, it's about um, an immigrant community in, in New York City that they are, um, you know, it's it's about their, their life and their dreams and uh, kind of trying to figure out what their dream and really the American dream is. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I am on my dad's side, a first generation American. And so I found myself, uh, the more I kind of reflected on the story and the um, you know, what they were trying to say and thinking about like my grandfather had a dream. And that's like the whole point of it is like understanding your dreams and your place in the American dream and like finding a home and creating a home. And what's the difference. And you know, think about my grandfather who, who believed in the chance and the opportunity in America so much that he left his wife and kids across an ocean to come to the U S to try to build a better life for them. And then he brought my dad with him several years later to, to try to do the same. And so my dad then as an immigrant joined the, the military and decided to serve for two decades to get a citizenship and, um, you know, went to school and got his college degree and now has built a life. And, and I think back and think about, um, the responsibility now that I have to take that gift and that dream that they had and kind of continue the legacy and, and, you know, my, my grandfather tried to build a better life for his kids and my dad did the same. And now I, um, have the, the opportunity to try to do the same for my sons. And so really just the more I thought about it, the more, um, connected I felt to somebody I never met. My grandfather passed away, um, before I was born. And so it's like, just, you know, weird to think, through that lens of, of being 
And if the outcome of somebody's dream and, and the responsibility and the sense of ownership I want to take over that has been really kind of sitting with me the last few days. And so I'm excited. It's a really good uh, musical. You know, it's caught some heat for um, lack of Afro-Latino faces in it. And I understand that if that's your context and that's how you feel about it, I completely get that. Representation does indeed matter. and You'll never hear me say otherwise. So, um, But with that being said, I enjoyed it. My wife enjoyed it. And the music is great. We've been bumping it all week and my kids are dancing to it. So it's been a really fun uh, addition. And again, if you've got the opportunity, check it out. I love that. Uh, you did nothing to dissuade me from my opinion that we were going to watch it very soon. Haven't gotten to it yet. Um, but my wife and I live in the Heights of Houston, um, which is different. It is not West Abandon, but uh, it is the most diverse city in, in, in the country. And, and we have a Heights in it, too. Um, so I will have to watch it, A, because I love everything that man uh, touches. Um, I've so fallen head over heels for Hamilton and Lin-Manuel Miranda and, and, and the, you know, the work he did um, with Moana and uh, his guest appearance on, uh, I believe the last season of, of Curb Your Enthusiasm and Larry David, just anything he does is, is, is charming and wonderful and great. So I'm, I'm excited to, to take this in as well. But um, my days recently have been filled Gerald with uh, the, the oddly named Euro 20, 20. That's right. In 2021, we are in the middle of 2021. We're talking about a soccer tournament with the title 2020. Of course, it was supposed to happen last year uh, due to uh, national international pandemic. Uh, we we uh, did not get to experience that. So it has been moved back, kept its name, the European Football Championship. So basically, the World Cup is the biggest event in the world, of course, in anything, but in, in world soccer. Um, all the world tunes in to watch it. They kind of split every two years amongst the four-year gap and have their their segmented, localized uh, championships. So there's a European championship going on. There's a, a CONMA Bowl, a, a South American. There's CONCACAF, which U.S. is in and, and always is the most hilarious. CONCACAF is, is kind of like the MAC. I'm not saying the quality is exactly like the MAC, but it's like CONCACAF after dark. Just weird, weird, weird stuff happens uh, in CONCACAF. Um, and then, uh, of course, there's, there's AFCON, which doesn't always... Um, fall on the same schedule. Um, but so there's, there's a couple going on right now, but the, the, the kind of de facto biggest, uh, of the bunch typically is the European championship. And I've watched it since I was a kid. I remember Greece making an improbable run. I remember a team full of Manchester United players with Wayne Rooney and, and skulls and, uh, and, and Gary Neville and David Beckham and, um, the, that England team. And I, I just remember through the years, it's always been fun and it's gotten off to a, to a, to a good start an interesting start. Um, I don't even necessarily have like a team that I root for. I obviously root for the U S men's national team. And besides that, uh, I don't necessarily have club team, but I don't have a European team I root for. So I just root for kind of either an underdog or, or ridiculous things to happen. Um, and so far there, there, there have been plenty of, of ridiculous things. Um, I've watched a lot of games, the, the most single, most ridiculous thing. And I don't say this in jest that may was a, a transition that implied it, um, is, is Denmark who actually is a team that was kind of one of the teams I was coming and watching. I remember playing in FIFA recently as a manager of the Denmark national team, know all those guys by name and by avatar, but there is the, the captain, the star player for years of the Denmark national team has been Christian Eriksen. And there's actually an incredibly scary moment, um, that, that happened, uh, in their opening game where he somewhere around the 50th minute, I believe just in the middle of the game, um, w- was turned and, and ran back to, to field a pass and just 
the ball bounced off his foot and he quickly went down to the ground his eyes were open it was a terrifying horrifying thing as you as each player teammate ref kind of came to the realization that that something bad was happening and they later have announced that he had a cardiac event like he was probably what would be considered legally dead and then was resuscitated um so he's still recovering so from this podcast and this one american soccer fan uh who's you know played you as a video game i know you don't listen to this christian erickson but um the the most incredible depths of well wishes uh for you um but it was just kind of a, a frightening moment in a spectacle of sport after a crazy year that, that that has come again i'm so glad that it's not the worst possible scenario but uh the rest of the tournament kind of is shrouded in just an interesting feeling uh, denmark had to come back on the field against finland in that one um and i don't know how you bring yourself to play sports after you watch that happen to one of your teammates but um the tournament itself i don't mean to, to go heavy on you is light and fun and even if you're not like the most studied fan of soccer is it will there will be some names you probably recognize uh ronaldo and and Lewandowski and and um, the the Spanish team will have multiple uh, names, but it's just fun. If if you if you watch the World Cup, but you you wait every four years, this might be a good uh, toe dip. If you if you are someone who watches religiously, you're probably already watching. But if you're one of those fans thinking about it, hey, it's always on ESPN. Tune in, watch a little bit. It's incredible. Um, haven't really been watching a, a bunch of uh, programs scheduled written tv because uh when a big soccer tournament comes on i usually just tune in and by the way at the same time uh messi's argentina is playing in the the south america so there's always right now good uh soccer football uh to be had so uh dive in check it out i don't know soccer as well as you or football as well as you but i love watching these big international tournaments because it's just fun you can always tell when games are fun and the games have been fun but that's all we've got for you this we Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Pig suey. More like chop suey. <laughs> <laughs>